You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You are now entering Magnified Studios. Welcome. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents Hard to Find a Podcast. Covering your favorite indie bands from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Put your tape decks on record. I am Andrew. I'm John. This is our podcast, and we are a couple bros under the weather. Yeah. From the time we uh, recorded this episode (laughs) to the time that we came back to record this uh, intro and... um, we have both, um, you know, gotten colds or something. So it's the best. <laughs> I was fully prepared to be like, well, I don't know why I sound like this compared to how I sounded in the interview. <laughs> and then both of us are in that boat. So, yeah. Yeah. So hope everybody is staying healthy out there, right. taking care of yourselves. This is a weird time of year. Yeah. And, you know, like I don't get sick very often, but. This is that time of year when I don't know things things start to you know I don't know it's probably also stress and, yeah. and other things uh, yeah. wearing wearing us down and uh but also there's all kinds of nasty shit going around out there so it's true um but what didn't stress us out yes was this great conversation something else that's not nasty shit or something <laughs> yeah that would have been another alternative <laughs> transition um our dude jason zimet yeah. back on the pod yeah talking talking that joe christmas we're going north north to the future yes and uh it's an album that is very near and dear to him he claims it is his favorite tooth and nail record of all time so yeah we had to get into it um yes to be sort of only tangentially aware of Mr. Joseph Christmas um, mm-hmm. before the the pod, and then to learn that one of our closest boys considers this album yeah. is like the top release. I'm like, it's a big deal. I mean, that's high praise yeah. considering all the tooth and nail stuff that we've covered in these last yeah. almost five years. It's um, true. Uh, yeah. I, uh, put out the question on the socials um about which uh joe christmas record people prefer upstairs overlooking which we covered last time or north of the future tonight and i think both of us kind of went into this one assuming upstairs overlooking would maybe be the default right i mean that's what i kind of thought i assume Um, yeah and instead almost everybody has said north of the future um, or at least most people kind of say like Nurture the future by a hair or whatever. So anyway, I know it's a beloved record for a lot of people. I had a lot of fun going through it. Um, perhaps uh, there's some high highs and some low lows <laughs> for some of us, but uh, it was a great conversation nonetheless. Yeah. So why don't we get to that conversation with Jason now? Well, Andrew, we are pleased to welcome back once again, hmm. shadow producer emerging from the shadows Jason Hockney's I am it. It's been a while since he's been on the pod. We were trying to remember exactly when it was. Uh, what did we talk about last season? <laughs> it's all a blur. 
I feel I don't know. Did skate punk? You were did, at it for slick shoes and some other skate punk stuff, maybe. I did, don't know. Did we have you on for? Did we have you? Goatee hook, for, sumo surprise for sure. Yeah, might have been as far back as that. I don't know, but we did no, that, savior machine and rackets and drapes. Episode. We did, we did. I think that was maybe before that. Anyway, it's a blur. It's been too long. That's the point. You're always with us in our hearts every week, but we're we're glad that you're actually with us uh, via Zoom to talk about a record that we know means a lot to you. Uh, we were talking off mic a little bit about how we really wanted you and last week's guest, Andrew Gill, to be our our Joe Christmas Sherpas, uh, as Andrew said before, to guide us on the journey of learning more about this very particular chapter in the history of uh, alternative Christian 90s bands. So, Jason, welcome back to Magnify Pod. Thank you so much. It's glad I'm glad to be here and can't wait to talk about this band, Joe Christmas, and their album, North of the Future. Yes. And give some historical context to those tooth and nail fans out there. In addition to what Andrew already covered, he yes. really paved a beautiful path to giving some historical context about this band, about what some of the listeners on this subject of indie rock and ska punk adjacent Christian music might find more historically interesting especially as you are navigating very uncharted waters. I feel like this season of MagPod has been the deep South Pacific. Yes. <laughs> of what more normally would be an easily navigable New York to UK across the Atlantic uh-huh. of ska punk, Christian, hardcore adjacent type of stuff. And indie rock is just so left of center in this universe. And it also speaks to what I think Tooth and Nail was trying to do from its onset that people forget about historically, but then more importantly, now what they're doing today in 2023 as a label, how those things intersect more than we can possibly imagine or give homage to. So I want to yeah. talk and that stuff as as some of you may know on original vinyl works a lot with tooth and nail but we work with a lot of other labels as well and for those who have frequented your podcast they know that i love all types of music and it's not just one specific genre i would call i don't know maybe unofficially joe christmas north to the future my favorite tooth and nail release of all time high praise that's for a lot of reasons that's for the reasons that help to define me and my identity. I think that when you call something your favorite album of all time, it's a far cry from calling something the best album of all time. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You give a completely different context to the way things influenced or shaped your worldview when you talk about your favorite five albums or something like that. And I wouldn't yeah. even call Joe Christmas North to the Future in my top five or even my top 10 favorite albums of all time, which naturally would omit tooth and nail from being in my top 10 albums of all time however for tooth and nail especially from the earliest days of formation my goodness it's just so unique it's uniquely positioned and it has a unique voice and it also speaks to a deeper dive sensibility when you're a teenager than just being a casual fan of mxpx or supertones at youth group right come by definition somewhat of an outcast by liking this type of music at youth group 
yeah. just simply knowing it, let alone talking about how Scrabble Girl and the reprise of Scrabble Girl at the end of North of the Future are the perfect parentheses to an indie rock record. I love it. Yes, Nobody we... understands what I just said. Maybe you too do. And I was like, I didn't catch the reprise, so now I'm excited. Oh to, yeah, yeah. To find that. All right. Well, what do um, I? Do? So, you know, I feel like we need to start where we start with mm. every guest that we have on to talk about an, an album or a band. Jason, when did you first hear of Joe Christmas? That would be the Tooth and Nail compilation volume three there were three different tooth and nail compilations that predated songs from the penalty box there was also two art core albums and two uh maybe one or two i think it was just one helpless among friends so tooth and nail in the earliest days of trying to gather distributors in nashville and in la would put together these comps oftentimes of bands that they didn't even have signed to their label yet. I'm Your Biggest Fan is another one of those tops uh, that fits adjacent to that. So it was signed and unsigned bands within the Christian music universe that they would go shop around via these comps and somebody would have their ears perk up and say, hey, I'm kind of into this Joe Christmas thing. What is this? And, uh, And I think that It was also Brandon's way of connecting to other indie labels around the country, maybe trying to find common ground and rising tide of indie Christian labels of the early 90s, raises all ships, uh, burnt toast vinyl, blonde vinyl, uh, you know, um, anybody like that. Flying Tart, was that a thing yet? Flying Tart, for sure. Yeah, so Flying Tart had uh, had this band that they put out a couple records for. Uh, One was the... Uh, there right. was a, this was the Kindercore Kincaid split EP. This was on Kindercore Records out of Athens, right? And then there was the couple skate with I Love Rock and Roll and My Name is Not John Travolta. Uh-huh. This was from like 1993 on Flying Tart. So the couple right. skate, this is an earlier incantation of couple skate that didn't appear on up, Upstairs Overlooking. So, uh, you know, when you're putting together these comps, that's kind of how you find out about these random labels and Flying Tart served, as Andrew called out last week, as sort of a weird upstream into Tooth and Nail. That upstream was not meaning that these bands were like signed to a bigger label. It just meant they had better distribution through Diamante than Flying Tart maybe had at the time. Sure. And so that's a lot of background to say. Tooth and Nail Volume 3. Yeah. (laughs) Was it Couple Skate on that? No, it was all bitchy from this record. Ah, fascinating. Okay. So it had an uh, illustration of a monkey with eyes that were vertically oriented instead of horizontally oriented, wearing some sort of brain machine. And this was a demo CD that you could get from the Christian bookstore, either open or sealed for like $4.99. And it was yes. just a gateway to listening to every band from this scene, sometimes part of Tooth and Nail, sometimes not. But when I heard, uh, you know, I'll bet you do in 96 on that CD comp. I think what it did for me was put context into the idea that Christian music didn't just have Green Day copycat MXPX or Real Big Fish copycat OC Supertones, but rather it had a Weezer copycat or a Pavement copycat or um, something that I could, it's just basically like your way of 
listening to the true tunes music chart <laughs> right yeah but in your own mind if you know about enough about music you can infer the difference you can say yeah value pack reminds me a whole hell of a lot of uh epitaph and fat records bands okay right I'll label it in there so yeah we've talked about this a fair amount in the season but as a kid who was trying to have a foot in both the sort of secular alternative and Christian alternative music worlds, like somehow a lot of this just completely eluded me and not for lack of interest, just because I feel like the, you know, the punkier mid to late nineties aspect of tooth and nail became so prominent and that just broke through so much more than a lot of these bands did. So I think Joe Christmas for both of us was a band that we sort of knew about, but didn't really know much about and that's been true of a lot of the bands this season so it was yeah just a whole world that i don't think I a think ton when of you're, people were when seeing you're a, like teenager or preteen you listen to punk music and immediately are drawn to the energy the catharsis the release mm-hmm. of yeah. hormones inherent to and and the accessibility of being able to play your favorite band's songs on a power chord almost <laughs> instantly you yeah. know right yeah but i was also in your boat where i was listening to christian music plus a lot of indie rock from the radio and going to tower records or blockbuster music literally every day after school and just grabbing a stack this thick of CDs on the new releases chart and putting on the Nixon's Dishwalla, primitive radio gods, um, the third or fourth crash test Emmys record, the third or fourth gin blossoms record. And, uh, starting to really define my tastes. And then people would see the stuff that I was grabbing and go, have you heard pavement, quicksand, um, hum later on, stuff like that, you know? And and that gave me a broader sense of why should Tooth & Nail even bother with these lame indie rock bands with all this fuzziness and distortion? I don't even get it. Like, yeah. But now I get it because it makes sense in the context of sounding a lot like, uh, for me, you know, and I think a lot of people, it just sounded like Pavement and Weezer together. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think if you would have told me there was a Christian equivalent of Pavement, I would have been excited as like a 15 year old, but I yeah. just didn't even really know that that was like a thing. Um, so I have exploring like, some of these I, corners now. I have like a stack of records that made me immediately think about what I was listening to. So like mm. I listened to Dinosaur Jr. Yeah. Where you been because of the Spike Jones music video for Feel the Pain, where they're running around yeah, so good. In, in Manhattan. Yep. I heard Feel the Pain. And I was like, what else sounds like Dinosaur Jr.? Yeah. In the Christian music scene. So you discover mm. bands like Starflyer, uh, Joe Christmas, Morales Forest, uh, Fuzzy Stuff, Driver, yep. of course. But, you know, Guided by Voices was another like extra fuzzy tone type of thing where Mag Irig came out. And I remember watching MXPX on 120 minutes, staying up late, waiting for MXPX's like shining moment. They were on the Faith No More episode. Faith No More yeah. spent like 35 minutes on the episode with Matt Pinfield. And then after Faith No More came MXPX. And I remember the bridge moment on 120 minutes where right before when Matt Pinfield said, up next we got... Um, MXPX, some band from Seattle, a bunch of kids, high school kids, and we're going to debut their Chick Magnet video. And uh, Bulldog Skin by Guided by Voices came on from this record. And I was so excited. But, you know, all this junk that you were listening to, like this one, Marcy Playground, Sex and Candy, uh, Neutral Milk Hotel, a lot of the Pavement, Sunvolt, even like Sparkle Horse, which nobody really remembers Mm -hmm. at all. Yeah, I remember. Um, 
all that stuff was deep in my playlist of CDs. And I was just, I never did the Columbia house thing, but I was always trying to go to a blockbuster video. And I found a guy at Sam Goody who was a punk rocker. And he's like, I'm going to dime out every CD. I'm going to give you every CD I can for free. Basically every one of the CDs I give you is going to cost 10 cents. I'm going to claim they're damaged. And I just want you to discover new music. So when you have, I listened to a podcast recently where Chris Caraba was on it and he was describing his music Sherpa at a record store. Some guy that he would go in really ugly looking dude, gangly looking dude with a huge nose would just be his music Sherpa handing him CDs constantly. And that guy's name was Brian Warner, AKA Marilyn Manson. Funny. And he just give Chris Caraba CDs all the time of stuff that he was listening to and saying, you should check this out little kid. You should check this out, little kid. I didn't know about that connection. That's interesting. Yeah, I had the same um, experience in, in Boulder at Sam. Yeah. Hey, Sam Goody, shout Goody, out. Goody got it. Goody got it. An important place for all of us. So yeah. how does a dude like, I know you're just explaining how you're at the same time, like um, expanding your musical horizons. What What was it? with this particular record, you know, cause you know, at the same time you're like playing in your band opening for Goaty hook and yeah. stuff. Like when you first heard this, like how did, what sort of shift was happening in you? How did that uh, inform what you were doing at the time with your music? It, it was like, when you listen to a record and you realize you can play a power chord and you listen to life in general by MXPX and your drummer buddy realizes very quickly that like you plays no fills at all on life in general, you yeah. have like now two people that can play punk rock music and they can play fast punk rock music. But then you start to ask yourself like, okay, can I play the solo on Southbound at the end of Southbound in a clean channel? You know what I mean? And that clean channel starts to open up this idea that like, can I play a riff off of E major in the major pentatonic scale and a clean channel? What else could I learn that sounds a little bit harder? It's like stepping up your musical aptitude. So uh, I listened to Scrabble Girl, which is the first track off of Joe Christmas North the Future and the riff that takes over basically the last four minutes of the song is the same riff over and over again, but it's basically, it's just a variation of Southbound, you know, Southbound Interesting. is in G, but uh, North to the Future, they both kind of play off of the same easy major pentatonic. And when you're 13 or 14 years old, you're like, sweet, now I can solo. My brother was a shredder, like he would play, he would learn Metallica in a night and all the solos. And he <laughs> wanted to learn something harder like Dimebag Daryl immediately after learning a Kirk Hammett solo. <laughs> And I was like, that's never going to be me. Yeah. But I want to learn the solo for Say It Ain't So by Weezer. And that seems accessible to me. Yeah. Maybe Sublime Santeria, a little too hard for me. But sure. Joe Christmas, I like doing that. And so yeah. I would say that um, it was incorporating something at a slower pace. Punk rock chords with an easy solo slowed down tempo and then i wanted to immediately speed it up into my punk band and do something similar so there's like a song i wrote that was exactly the the um scrabble girl 
guitar solo for the back half of the song i showed it to you guys earlier but it's hilarious it's just like i'll blatantly knock that off yeah how much i love this band and how much i love this record and i knew that i wasn't going to do something like haunted mystery from this record because it was like no one's gonna want to dance to that (laughs) you you should uh yes call out the couple of things that you you shared with us about how you the various ways you, you claim to have ripped them off over the years <laughs> yeah the so there's thing? there's auditory uh-huh. which is i can now play something that sounds more like weezer which means i'll eventually get to being able to play weezer which will be really cool to all my friends in high school but there's also the visual aesthetic so there's this like joe christmas north of the future contains this uh scotch taped photo presumably of someplace in georgia right I've, I've heard that this is a an actual landmark interstate sign somewhere uh-huh. near atlanta is that true did you guys do any research um that sounds right no i don't know for sure uh but there's a there's a very unclean aesthetic there's like dirt and there's like a mm-hmm. wallpaper and there's a pen that's just uh, abstractly drawn on here with a couple of little polaroids and a very small typeface up here mm-hmm. and it's funny i got a like a uh, contact sheet for this band called we were sharks a few years ago they're from toronto Mm -hmm. and that contact sheet was basically asking me to copy um hang on i'll see if i can actually find it right now but the the contact sheet was basically saying this band wants to put out a record they've already recorded it and they want it to look a lot like these albums that are very modern and contemporary and the examples that they gave were uh basically ventura by anderson pack and um ariana grande thank you next so they they wanted these two aesthetics to fit into if you're familiar with those records are you guys familiar at all with those i mean the ariana grande one but yes but not the not the anderson pack one i can i'm sure i've seen them but i can't recall either so this is what they sent me and they said they like this typeface for this can they like this idea of having like a car graphic a Mm -hmm. couple of different blurry car graphics but they said we want something that kind of feels a lot like ariana grande here maybe some gaslight anthem uh you know some royal blood some of this car cool stuff basically and and they sent us that proposal with which we took and and i saw that and immediately like my brain started going to the aesthetic of pink which was a very in color of 2021 essentially Mm. but um but we did like this packaging that called upon a lot of their ideas mixing ariana grande Ventura by Anderson Pack, the pink color, the the scotch tape. And then I really started to like deep dive into even more of the aesthetic, which was Joe Christmas, North of the Future. So I wanted it to look almost identical to North of the Future and added a lot of layers into it, like um, an old A-track. So I would handwrite on an A-track and take a screenshot of that for the, uh, and an old key and every one of these little like, um, inserts that you had in here was really scribbly handwriting that I had written myself. All of this came from the aesthetic of just Joe Christmas. It was wow. like taking something that I'd already really loved and a, a severe amount of familiarity with mm-hmm. and trying to modernize it to make like, you know, 
typeface written on the tape in different yeah. places with each mm -hmm. of these records or with each of these songs and have the insert swap out basically taking what i had always imagined in my mind if joe christmas had more photos than just the north of the future interstate photo on the front cover if you could have swapped out the image what would those nostalgic looking images kind of look like mm -hmm. that's a long way to describe how much this album has influenced graphic design and aesthetic that i have now yeah I I love mean, it, that packaging about, that package i mean if i were we were sharks i mean i would be thrilled with yeah what you put together for them yeah and they were like we're gonna did, have to we're gonna have to share some that? of that on socials just so people can see yeah what, what you did because it's beautiful stuff man it's like how how um they asked the question like what gave you the inspiration to take it that far because making essentially 14 different album covers is a pain in the neck and handwriting everything but i honestly had that inspiration of like what would joe christmas have done they made it's funny like they made a lot of different stuff that i have in here marketing material wise they made like uh like beer coasters of it and everything like cool. that oh wow i don't even know why i have that but <laughs> cool that, that exists it all comes from just like immediately gravitating towards Joe Christmas. The idea, there's another book that I just am reading right now. Um, it's actually fascinating. Let me get it real quick. This is also like a project, a book that I'm reading right now called Dear Photograph hmm. by Taylor Jones. Are you familiar with this? No, I don't think so. Okay. So it's a project that has existed since basically the pandemic. And it's, it's an online website. You can submit one of your most precious childhood memories that you have. Uh, if you find a photo in your parents' basement and they give it to you, you go back to that exact location and you replicate it. So this book is filled with just tons and tons of like moments of filling like your head full of all of these cool memories that you have of like playing in the sink when you were a little baby and you got the photo of the sink from your parents' house. This is the actual parents' house now, but you hold the photo in right. exactly juxtaposition with wherever that spot was that was significant to you like 30 40 years ago potentially and the whole book is just photos of that and somebody describing why they took that photo so that's cool i always like to say that i'm not a particularly nostalgic guy i'm certainly sentimental about things but i only am doing all of this stuff and talking about it now because i think it uh has a important context for 2023 i like talking about in 2023 and how it makes sense to me now not just like oh this is something that happened a long time ago la di da because right. my daughter doesn't care about any of that stuff yeah <laughs> not no, I, I think uh i mean one one of the great values you bring to the pod is your ability to sort of provide some historical context for a lot of the stuff that we're getting into um and we appreciate you calling the, to mind that that stuff that was happening back then and how it still influences you today. So yeah. one thing I wanted to ask was, so did North to the Future, did you come to that before Upstairs Overlooking? Yes. Yeah. So this was like the seminal Joe this Christmas is, is experience. Joe Christmas entry point. Yeah. I buy the, I buy the CD right away. Uh, when I hear, I'll bet you do. And uh, I like the little flourishes of the Moog 
in the chorus of I'll Bet You Do that remind oh, yeah. me a shit ton of Brave St. Saturn stuff, honestly. Mm, yes. The Reese did later on. It's like you can hear direct links to that, the rentals with Matt Sharp, uh, yep. the way that Matt wanted to incorporate a lot of that, like padded keyboards into Pinkerton, especially. Mm-hmm. Yep. That kind of got ousted with yep. Rivers by right. the by the end of the of that album cycle i don't yeah. know man i i definitely love north of the future so much for a lot of reasons but mainly because it's also really really relatable to every nerdy kid out there mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> this does not in any way seem like mike herrera or he's not zany like five iron frenzy Right. Um, there's something a lot more identifiable and neutral about bands like this that make you feel like safe to occupy the same room as them for, for quite some time. Yeah. You could like occupy a neutral milk, milk hotel, hotel or something maybe. like that. Some kind yeah. of hotel like that. Uh, <laughs> or, or the 19th floor of Wayside School. Mm-hmm. Also. Um, yeah. We, we talked about last week. I mean, this is definitely a more mature record than Upstairs Overlooking. So yes. maybe there's like a little more, I don't know if I would use zany, but there's a little more um, uh, adolescent vibe on the first record, yes. whereas they seem to have kind of mellowed here. Or something like that, I guess. Yes, yeah. So when you went back and listened to the first record, what what was your impression of that compared to North to the Future? You know, it's interesting because... Um, this was brought up last week as well, but Joe Christmas splits after North to the Future pretty quickly and um, unceremoniously. Right. They might play a couple tours. I wouldn't even call them tours. I'd say they were trying to get out to Cornerstone and back, you know, kind of situations. Right. Or trying to get out to Seattle, play a few shows along the way and get back home. But uh, Zachary, the singer of Joe Christmas, wanted to essentially experiment constantly with new sounds, noises. And he started a band after Joe Christmas called Summer Hymns, which I have mentioned is kind of a Joe Christmas three and four record. If you Mm -hmm. really understood or wanted to find out what happened to Joe Christmas, I would point people that direction. Whereas the other remaining fractured members of Joe Christmas went and started this band called World Against World that was signed to Screaming Giant Records. And Mm -hmm. that was a noise punk, hardcore 121 combat junkies officer negative adjacent hardcore band Hmm. so you could tell why they went two different directions but i feel like upstairs overlooking starts off with this experimental noise elephant six type of musical genreless classification and then north the future hones it in somebody like brandon evil probably comes in as a producer and says like guys can you make a song with actual structure to it yeah and even then, I would argue that like the end of North to the Future with uh, East Coast Angle and I ruined it. They kind of go off the rails yet again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, agreed. They kind of um, lose focus on what it is to be a, a band that writes songs, which is kind of beautiful, honestly. But I, I mean, there's something to be said about about that. Oh, totally for sure. Totally. Yeah. And in Colorado, especially growing up around bands like Christine Front Drive and uh, early Jimmy World and those types of bands, you're like, some of these guys can really meander for quite some time <laughs> in their songs. <laughs> and, and seeing that stuff live, it became a whole vibe 
In fact, as we go track by track, I'll even tell you about some of the feelings I have on some of these songs, that they're a whole vibe. Cool. Oh, there's there are vibes to be had on this one, baby. Um, <laughs> but I like that North to the Future kept things tidy. It kept things concise. And then Summer Hymns, these two records that I have here, uh, number one, uh, this is Voice, Brother and Sister, comes out in 2000, so four years essentially after North to the Future, and then a celebratory mm-hmm. arm gesture, which becomes like at that point those guys are truly off in outer space at least that yeah. so high that he cannot even hold a steady thought through a single song it's bizarre it's like zany and he's like gone to the antique store and bought a jack-in-the-box and he's like winding it up and letting it pop on camera or yeah. uh, on the microphone <laughs> it's just yeah the uh i mean both you and, and andrew gill have mentioned summer hymns and i was not I, again, another band that I knew the name of, but didn't really know. And listening to just a little bit of them, I need to do a much deeper dive, but it's like these sort of weirdo inclinations that Joe Christmas have. He he fully gets to explore in those those hints of the sort of Elephant Six world you hear yeah, Joe Christmas, he fully gets into there. These two records for sure are the number one influence. So yeah, on Avery Island and an airplane over the sea by Neutral Milk Hotel, just the idea of experimenting. And the idea, more importantly, of being a band that doesn't actually exist. They are a studio mm-hmm. and collective. They're not really meant to be a touring band in the sense that Tooth and Nail was looking for a band to be out there hustling their record. Yeah. We don't know how some of these records were even made or paid for, like mm-hmm. especially Neutral Milk Hotel stuff. It was right. just, how about we don't eat for two months and we live in a closet and then we make this record and right. we never tour on it. And- pray to God that it becomes the most celebrated album of indie rock 90s that has ever come about. It, it worked out in that case. <laughs> yeah. In their case, sure. But in a million other bands cases, yes. like summer hymns, you have as equally obscure experiments that just went wrong. I would argue sparkle horses story, especially was particularly tragic in that guy's desire to just constantly innovate, constantly experiment with new sights and sounds and everything like that, that record. Mm. Uh, Viva Dixieland is all over the place. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when Nushamilk Hotel uh, reunited, I don't even remember how long that was now, maybe like close to 10 years ago, and I finally got to see him playing that saw live. I was like, oh, man, the the weird warbly sounds I've heard in my head come to life with the did dude you, playing a saw on stage. Did you follow, Andrew, did you follow any Neutral Milk Hotel ever at any point or even now? Do you? Most people don't get it. 90% of people I know don't get it, or even more. 99% of people don't get it. Airplane Over the Sea is is the only album I'm familiar with. Yeah. What do you think of it? It's not, I mean, I I understand its importance. Uh, I like some of the songs on it. It's not for me. Like it's like, I don't seek, I don't seek out Neutral Milk Hotel um, or that kind of, style of music it's just it you know i i appreciate the experimentation i want people to push push their art um past where they you know where they feel comfortable and just keep and keep creating something but not all art needs to be for everybody that's true yeah it's not uh it's not for the reason andy dwyer gives on parks and rec where he says <laughs> they are weird and art and, and, he, and, sad, and sad and music and music should be fun yeah um where's your where's your favorite place to smush your boo 
at the neutral neutral milk hotel Hotel. (laughs) great episode um yes it's funny that you asked that jason because i had a i had a feeling about how andrew would feel about the record we're discussing this week and it was confirmed a little bit off pod before we began recording tonight and uh yeah this has been a season of me being like hey this cool like fuzzy world has been pretty sweet to hang out in huh and he's been like i don't know man i can't get through this one Um, art doesn't have to (sighs) look here's the thing you were you were talking about the you know the the new york to london you know uh season continental easy voyage yeah like we're (laughs) we've been in the fucking mariana trench in this season yeah we're just like we are off we are off course we are (laughs) we are deep down we are we're talking summer hymns for 15 minutes we got uh we're we're down there we're down there with the fish with like the little lights hanging off the 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 front of its head Uh yeah so let me let me guide everybody back to yes at please. least a little bit of a lighthouse people forget mm. the historical context of tooth and nail being a christian label marketed and distributed by diamante to christian bookstores but also making serious strides towards general market releases so if people were to put it into modern day contextual pigeonholing they might think that unoriginal vinyl is a tooth and nail solid state reissue label right of some mm. kind or brand and nothing in fact could be further from the truth i'm going to chase down the most uh interesting projects i can find no matter what they are if it's uh of any genre or any label or any classification type it's something that i just if i'm liking what the project is bringing to the table to fans and i want to bring those fans into the world of portal hardcore black metal type stuff or celtic irish music for saint patrick's day like let's go let's bring everybody along for the ride and i think that tooth and nail was trying to do that to very little success in the earliest days of them as a label you had very charismatic very evangelical obvious ploys to get better distribution in the christian market because there was actual dollars being spent against alternative music for the first time in christian music in the 90s and they had Mike Knott singing about a girl on heroin in right. their second track or Roadside Monument naming the first track on their record, Sperm Ridden Burden, or Joe Christmas just being Joe Christmas and Driver 8 just being Driver 8. So right. I think that speaks more heroically to the true founding groundwork that Tooth & Nail had laid from the earliest days as Brandon was a music fan. And he was trying to get out of the bubble of Southern California hardcore metal bands. He didn't want to be that label who just put out Christian hardcore focused records. He wanted to do any and everything he could to expand the reach of a band he liked. I think Joe Christmas represented just a band that he liked. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this kind of music you're listening to right now, it's almost like your whole season right now has reflected something that in a kid who's in the 90s would have seen a poster of at their youth group Mm -hmm. or walked past a flat or a demo cassette inside of a Christian bookstore and gone like, oh, what's that? And then that would have been about as far as they took it and then walked (laughs) straight to the 90 pound wuss yellow cassette and gone, this looks like me. This looks like something I would dig or value pack. It looks like a 
a tied box. So I'm going to listen to that easily, but right. there's all these other little obscure, uh, you know, what was that? And right. you guys are really trying to deconstruct like not only what was that then, but what is it now? Or is it a thing? And yeah. you're probably landing on different ends of the spectrum. Andrew's probably going like, it's not a thing. It never was a thing. That was the problem. And John's yeah. like, come on, man, give it a, you know, give it a, give it a try, man. It's cool. There's a moment here or there. And now you're looking at, uh, I don't know, 48 hours of the concurrently of the last season where you're like, that's a lot of time to spend on music I don't really love. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I don't know, Andrew, feel free to weigh in, but... Um... You know... Dude, did I just blind read y'all? <laughs> Here's cold? the thing, like, the Pedro and the Bazan stuff was some of the, the most significant episodes that we've done uh, in recent years, and the coverage of that was really important. Um, and then there's been some really hit or miss stuff and it's, you know, so if it's because it's just not my vibe and then some of it, it just doesn't land lyrically for me. Um, and it, if something's not landing musically or lyrically for me, it's just like, what's left. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's left. And, you know, if I can't get down with the, the fuzz, you know, where it's, it's a slog. Um, Let me ask ask you this. Where does Joe Christmas North the future land for you? Do you want me to hurt your feelings? Of course not. This (laughs) is slog territory. This is my personal favorite tooth and nail release. It didn't have to be yours. I couldn't know. I, I, the thing is I, John and I have talked about this ad nauseum about, wanting to especially in you know in recent this past year like spend our time trying to put good energy and good vibes out into the world and talk about records that we actually are going to get psyched about discussing which is part of the reason like we wanted to have people on to talk about these records because they mean more to others than they do to us. And we didn't want to do them, do the albums a disservice because we feel like that, that would be not, not fair because they, they are significant to other people. But for me, this is not an album that I listened to in my adolescence. Um, Joe Christmas was not a band that had any significance to me. Upstairs Overlooking has some really high moments, uh, no pun intended for those, for those stoner boys, but like there, there's some really high highs and moments where I'm like, Oh man, this fucking rules. Um, this North to the future record is a snooze for me. It, it, it's, it's slow and meandering and noodly and, uh, it doesn't reach any of the highs of upstairs overlooking for me, which I understand could be maybe more adolescent and goofy. Um, but musically, uh, it's more dynamic and um, just kept kept my attention a little bit more than this one. Yeah. I have many feelings about this record. 
which I will share as we dive in. But I feel like yes, as you're as you're pulling us as the lighthouse is is shining its light at us. <laughs> uh, let's let's get into some of the the details about North to the Future as a little context before we go track by track here. Uh, it was released June twenty third, nineteen ninety six, on Tooth and Nail. Uh, recorded with Bob Weston at Electrical Audio in Chicago, which is kind of a hallowed. Uh, music recording studio, uh, Steve Albini's famous uh, studio. Um, and by all accounts, they were really happy with the recording process and how it turned out. We talked last week about how with Ups Reserve looking, they felt a little rushed. They had just gotten um, Philip in as the drummer at that point and felt a little loose. And this one, I think they were able to spend a little more time and attention on it and felt good with how it turned out. I wanted to shout this out. Uh, I mentioned this to you all uh, off mic, but I was trying to do some research into their sort of relationship with Steve Albini and with Electrical Audio. Um, and I've seen, uh, Russell's been in a few different podcasts sort of in recent months uh, and has talked a little bit about that. But just yesterday, an episode of the podcast In Loving Recollection was released uh, in which uh, they talk about the making of this album. And Zach and Russell from the band are on that episode talking about it. So I did not get a chance to listen to much of that uh, before we recorded today, unfortunately, but folks should go check that out. Um, I imagine they'll get into it uh, a bit more there. But um, yeah, they uh, it's sort of a, a hallowed musical ground and an interesting sort of move for them, um, you know, going from Nashville and sort of, uh, Lost Dogs choir adjacent sound to Chicago and a you know Bob Weston sound um, kind of speaks to maybe where their heads were at a little but um, musically same lineup as the first album Zachary on vocals and guitar and I believe uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong Jason but I think he's doing the keys too throughout okay. um, and uh, Russell on guitar Ryan on bass Philip on drums uh, produced by the band this time which is an interesting change uh, all songs credited to the band again here Chris Colbert slash Colbert, maybe uh, the technician again this time. Um, and I mean, I'll give a little bit of my thoughts here, although I think objectively some of this is true also. Like it sounds less shitty than upstairs <laughs> overlooking, yeah. uh, but it still captures that loose fuzzy vibe. It's not, it's not quite as like kind of off the rails we were saying as, as upstairs overlooking gets, but um on the whole, I think it's better made in terms of production, certainly, and songwriting. Yeah. Like, I think I agree with you, Andrew, that like the vibe of Upstairs is Overlooking is maybe one that I find a little bit more immediately interesting. Like, yeah. when I put this one on the first few listens, I was like, I appreciate it, but like, it's maybe not like doing as much for me as Upstairs Overlooking was. But there were real moments on the first record where I was kind of like, they've kind of lost me here. This is a little much. Whereas this song, like, I truly, really, really like every song. There's none that, like, lose me or that I don't find interesting. That said, if you find the vibe already sort of a slog, this is only that, but, like, slower and more <laughs> sparse. So yeah. I could see why you would feel like okay, the, the looseness, the jangliness is still there, but like, this is like, there's not a ton of the like distortion pedal stomp lead into the chorus this time no, around. No, no. The sparseness is there, the single note sort of noodling um, is very prominent. Uh, some, 
early Pedro kind of vibes, kind of yeah. slow, shuffly drums and um, soft spoken, soft sung kind of lyrics. Um, but my uh, my appreciation for the record is like growing as I've gotten older, too. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I think um, Fred Armisen talks about as a drummer appreciating space mm-hmm. as a drummer rather than yeah. miss the older he gets the simplicity of just being able to occupy a tremendous amount of um, energy and tone in, in an atmosphere within a song by not overdoing it not killing mm. uh, a lot of notes and measures with uh, fancy playing and stuff like that so um part of what I like about this record and why it's probably my favorite record in the tooth and nail canon is there's never a time when I don't have this record on. Like there's never a time where that record's annoying me that it's on. Yeah. yeah. Ever. And I think every other record that I would speak to, I could probably in the middle of it at some point, depending on my mood, just be like, I don't really want to hear this right now. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And Joe Christmas if you put on Scrabble Girl and you're just doing basically anything, you're driving somewhere, you're concentrating on a, uh, you know, graphic design project you're working on, you just can let that record ride and not be distracted by it, not let it interfere with you, not even need to necessarily, there's nothing to sing along to. Right. It's vibes. It's vibes, baby. It's just vibes, but it's not vibes in like an orchestral, atmospheric, unwed sailor kind of vibes, kind right. of way, you know, like there's more to it than that. Yeah. But um, there's just something very familiar to me. And I'll talk about this as we go track by track, but there's something yeah. very familiar, familiar to me about like the energy underneath this record is one of people who are sitting in a room together, figuring out the space of the room, figuring out the tone to their playing in unison and in harmony with one another. It's almost like happening in real time in front of you. And it's like being in that room with them, uh, watching a band, figuring it out and never, ever getting there. I don't think this record is like a stellar A plus record musically at all. Mm -hmm. I just think it's one of those vibes that you can just sit comfortably in. It's not going to bother me. It's not going to be the the record where I'm like, turn that track off. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a moment here or there in two songs, the, the second to last uh, two songs, there's like a couple little notes where they hit something that's really sour, uh-huh. very aberrantly obnoxious mm-hmm. just to get in your underneath your skin. But apart from that, like I love this record to just always have on. It could just exist in my permanent memory as the thing that I, I'm always good with, always going to like it. Yeah, I think that's a really good assessment of it. I, you know, we listen to these records over and over again as we're preparing for an episode and taking notes and stuff. And this one I've had on a ton as I've just been doing work this week. And it always like, it goes down real easy. Like it's a great thing to have on in the background. Um, now I can tell you that if I would have discovered this as a kid, when it came out, my take probably would have been, I wish there were some faster, more punky songs Yeah, yeah, yeah. this time around. Um, and so I think you're right that it takes my older ears to appreciate 
<laughs> the feeling of maturity on this record. And, yeah. you know, we talked about the favorite versus best distinction earlier. Um, if we're comparing these two records, I might say upstairs overlooking is my favorite of the two, but I think this is the best. Like it's there on initial listens. I might've found some of it kind of boring, but I really think that I had to settle into what it was doing and let it wash over me. Yeah. And by the time I did that, I really started to appreciate what you're talking about, the space between things, the confidence of it, as much as I maybe would have when I was younger, liked them to sort of return to that wild frenzied sound. I really appreciate that they had the inclination and the chops to be like, what if we did something that was like, you know, sparse to the degree that like you had to be paying attention to everything we were doing and have it all come out in a way that's like not offensive. Like you're saying, Jason, like there's nothing where you're like, all right, that's enough. Like really commit to it. And they still have that sort of improvised jangly, you know, pavement ish sound that we were talking about where like, things aren't perfect and that's part of the vibe, but I do feel like there's a, a maturity in their musicianship here. That's, that's just not on the first record. Um, yeah, there's a Weezer style only. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Energy to it. But then also for me, even as a, as a 12 year old kid, like I think 96, I can think back specifically to thinking that the best track to come out of 1996 period for me, even though I loved going to punk shows and ska shows and hardcore shows, the best song that I liked was Primitive Radio Gods standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my pocket. Pretty hard to beat. And that song took like, he, he's, he's talked about that rec, that record and that song taking him all of five minutes. He sure. figured out a drum loop. He just been down hearted, it. baby. Half a since the day we met. Yeah, it's so great. And just took a loop of a BB King song and like put together nothing and it filled this space for my consciousness of like, yeah. okay, I got to have something to listen to on the drive home from this mm-hmm. MXPX concert. I got right, to, right. to, to just like hear music still, but it's not going to interfere with like right, right, right. processing through what my day has contained from going to school this morning to seeing MXPX at night to getting punched in the face or my nose smashed in at a strung out show. Like I got to have a space for all of that to, sift through yeah that's uh, a good way to to put it are important to me and joe christmas is just that it's just primitive radio gods in a nutshell sure. yeah it's definitely it's definitely a, a chill out uh lane here um but i think i mean there are some interesting sort of mysterious like questioning melodies here that are like not what you expect maybe the chord progression goes in a way you're not imagining and there's sort of some unresolved like I don't know. It, it does it does interesting things musically that I'm like, oh, I wasn't, you know, if the verse is really slow, I'm kind of like, hmm, am I into this? And then the chorus is like, oh, that's what you're doing? Like, I feel like that that keeps happening on this record for me. I'm okay that um, it doesn't go anywhere, too. I'm just okay. Yeah, it no. might just stay the same. And yeah. Let's get into it. Let's dive in. Let's get into it. I'm going to say a couple more things before we start, but uh, I'm just everything is much clearer in the mix. We will hear that. That's evident. The drum sound much better this time uh at, at least in terms of like the, the the auditory quality the vocals are not buried they're very front and center in the mix um i love 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 the addition of the moogie keyboards that you're mentioning jason on this record those really go a long way for me the weezery uh era of those keys um once again no explicitly christian lyrics this time around um you know we'll, we'll touch on that as we go through these songs but um it, it includes 
one song from the earlier Oatmeal EP here as well, re-recorded this time, but you can tell which one that is. We'll get to that. Um, and then just one more thing I wanted to mention from the liner notes, uh, more sort of poking fun, poking capitalist fun at Tooth & Nail because they credit Brandon Ebel as executive producer slash corporate funding. So that's that's funny. Um, all right. Should we play some Scrabble? Let's go play some Scrabble, boys. Let's do it. Everybody, everybody grab your grab your tiles. Driving and I'm dreaming. <laughs> no place to drive. Hey, you're right. It is. It is a similar riff. skip ahead later um yeah. this is my number two uh anybody else yeah it's my number two as well okay this okay. is not in my top three uh, fascinating fascinating well, i guess interesting because i would say for this um i was with this guy caleb in tucson arizona last week he's making a squad 5.0 documentary uh. i've never met caleb in person but he's really big into enneagram stuff and so okay. He's, he's a, he's a self-professed nine. And he says, Jason, Me too. we're just meeting in person for the first time. And I'll be honest with you. I don't have any sevens in my life. It's really interesting and refreshing to be spending time in person with a seven and a strong seven as much as, uh -huh. and uh, I said, well, you haven't really seen anything yet. Wait until we go for a walk around town. Okay. Uh, and I was like, he was showing me Tucson downtown, showing me this cool hotel that had three different concert venues. We went to all three different concert venues just for a minute, popped in, checked out the music. Uh, and I was just enthusiastically experiencing something uh, exciting and new. There's something <laughs> rad about that, isn't there? Something rad about it. There was a homeless guy playing a harmonica in this tunnel and I walked up to him as we're walking past him. And I'm just like, hey, man, what key is your harmonica? And he, he like points at it and he shows it it's an F. And I'm like, oh, man, that's the highest key an octave you can get in a harmonica or something like that. And he's like, here. And he hands me his harmonica like he wants me to play it. Mm -hmm. 
and Caleb looks at me like, don't, don't you dare. <laughs> I just start hitting it on my leg, uh-huh. start playing it right away. Just this dude's like, he's like, don't worry, man. I don't got nothing. <laughs> There's no COVID in there. And then like, we keep walking and he's just like, man, that you couldn't have probably typified a sevens experience of life <laughs> better than what you just did. You just walked into a completely new scenario, like a psychopath with open eyes, ready to just experience something rad. <laughs> and you're, you're not even thinking about it afterwards. There's no post analysis. So I remember hearing Scrabble girl and thinking to myself, like, yeah, that's my personality right there. Uh-huh. That's me looking at my youth and my experience of the world and my world lens and thinking like every day is a pretty interesting opportunity to sort of experience something rad and new and exciting. And it could be a girl or it could not be a girl. I didn't even look at this song as like a romantic song. I just looked at it as like, shit, man, we're here on this earth and we get a pretty lucky break right now to even be yeah. alive. Yeah. I love that. I love, I mean, I love, I love our dudes seven energy. You always bring it and we enjoy it. And I love looking at this song as sort of like uh, the expression of a seven type person experiencing the world. Um, yeah. Right. The lyrics, I'm just going to read them all. Cause there's not very many simple, sweet lyrics. There's something rad about the exciting and the new. There's something rad about getting to know you. You don't need a reason. It's always in season. Stay out all night long, rock into the same old song, staying out till night turns into dawn. And like, yeah, it's such a it's such a great kind of capturing like the Lord's Prayer for Sevens. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> grab grab a harmonica uh from questionable I'll... source. And um no, I <laughs> it's like it I know we said that the first record is a little more adolescent or whatever, but like this this captures that that young vibe so well where it's like yeah we're we're staying out we're rocking the same song staying out tonight it's like really sentimental and it's capturing that moment my friend garrett uh said of a video we shot one time when we were teenagers acting like buffoons just running around acting like emo kids he said i could see and still look at that video and feel as if that moment was infinite Mm -hmm. he felt infinite in that moment yeah yeah like the musical expression of that the the musical expression of infinite feelings as a kid Mm -hmm. where you don't realize what's ahead of you and you also feel in some strange intangible way like it's never going to end yeah yeah there's another song that he sort of uh gets at that uh with a little bit later that we'll get into but um yeah i mean this one i guess i sort of thought of this as being like the most well-known song from this record but i don't really know what i'm basing that on i've just seen people talk about it um, but it's interesting that you've mentioned I'll Bet You Do a few times, Jason, because uh, we'll get to that next, and I have some thoughts on that one. But um, this song is five and a half minutes long, yes. and how it kicks off the album is this sort of, you know, it's a it's a, it's a a chill vibe, fuzzy bass, warm guitar. Um, the vocals are so much more on display here than last time around. They're sounding less warbly than the last record but still his like his vulnerability his imperfection is still highlighted they didn't try to sand that off singer there's no strength or power to his voice but it's charming it is it's very charming yeah um no power behind it no uh it it maybe some people might say it goes on a little too long um but (laughs) yeah it absolutely does there's an extended guitar solo that uh you know, maybe you could lap a minute out. But again, you'll see this is the perfect parenthetical, the beginning of this album and the end yeah. of the album. 
happen is just like a bunch of musicians who are getting together for the first time in a room and they start jamming and they find their groove that they lock into and they're yeah. going to harp on that riff uh-huh. longer than they for a long time yeah. longer than they ever need to and you're yeah. just going to be witness to it and you're going to sit there and you're going to go you know what this makes me want to do right now is go pick up a guitar and go find like my people to play music with and find our little group to lock into. Mm. Yeah. I think you're, I think you just, yeah, have to have to kind of give in and settle into the vibe of these extended jams on this record. And, um, you know, perhaps some of them could benefit from some editing occasionally, but you kind of got to give in now a word we used a lot last time was satisfying as in it's really satisfying when that distortion does come in. Uh, which it does here, which we should hear some of. Uh, I think that happens at about 2.20. And it feels very satisfying to me when that happens, but you know, it doesn't go quite as hard as the first record, but it's still a great moment. And that continues on for a long time. <laughs> um, but I love it. I don't know. When we get to that moment, I'm just like, oh, I'm in. I don't know. That's how I feel. Yeah. It's the moment you can just, if you really are are along for the journey and you're kind of vibing with what they're vibing with, right? that thing can go on for a long, long time. Sure. You're not yeah. even thinking about it. It doesn't even matter. It's just like, now is the moment I can literally unplug from thinking about this music anymore and let mm -hmm. it ride. Yeah. Uh, thoughts, Andrew? <laughs> Um, I mean, say I, I hate it. It's okay. Just say I hate this. I, why is it so long? You're no, like being nice around me about this. And I don't know why. Stop it. <laughs> I think you would say if you hate it. I don't think you hate it. I don't hate it. No, it's you know I would say this is probably my four or five um sure. for the record. Um, I I yeah, a five and a half minute opener <laughs> is a choice. Uh -huh. Um. But I, I do think there, there could be some editing. I, I like where it eventually goes. It's just, uh, I think, like I was saying on the previous record, that there are some songs where you know it takes a while to get someplace, but once it gets there, you're like, for you're like, oh shit, yeah, the, the payoff is worth it. And like, I don't know, maybe I'm just not in the uh, emotional headspace these days to appreciate the the record you know tolerate but... complete bullshit like this yeah i understand <laughs> now um here's the funny thing though that, that you mentioned that so there's two records here that i have by comparison or, or i guess contrast which were both spike jones directed bands and they were one hit wonder bands really i mean there's dinosaur jr and there's wax uh mm -hmm. 13 unlucky numbers one of the videos for wax was a guy on fire just on fire yeah through so good low motion and then dinosaur jr was a bunch of guys doing the uh golf carts around manhattan and those songs both between the two of them were probably each two two minutes 15 seconds long mm -hmm. like if you listen can you open up dinosaur jr feel the pain is that even possible or is that too far-fetched for you to do that just dinosaur jr feel the pain it opens with that great bottle cork popping off sound right, and then right. that great riff so it says it's four it's four nineteen. That seems way too long. Unless they had a radio. 
Joe Christmas. Yeah, Christmas very similar. The opposite. They went out long. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's basically like those two music videos. I remember always wanting more. I guess yeah. is the point. I remember sure, sure. myself like, why can't this song go on? It's so awesome. Yeah. And Joe Christmas just gave me that. They gave yeah, me yeah, yeah. empty calories that I was so desperately wanting. <laughs> so, I love that. Year end from Wax. Yeah. Everybody says pavement, which is true, but the band I thought of immediately when I first heard these guys was Dinosaur Jr. for sure. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're both there. Um, but let's get to this next song. This is my number one me too it's Jason. my number three okay okay um yeah this is one i mean i was mentioning it before because i was like well scrabble girl's probably like the single but i think i actually like i'll bet you do more but this that's one, kind of a weirder choice this, but this now that i'm hearing you say that this is the single i'm like oh well i guess that makes sense that we gravitate toward this one it's so, yeah, in fact, so i great. feel like the rest of the record makes the bold and obnoxious choice most of the time to not go straight into the chorus from the first verse yes indeed yeah this Where one is this more one is radio like, friendly yeah this is like let's get to the chorus boys let's just do yeah. lock in please yeah quick no we're at uh we're at three and a half minutes here which is the yeah. ideal radio length and uh is a good length for me i think for this record yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we're yeah. Uh, you know, I ideally you get to the get to the chorus in in terms of in terms of radio hits, getting there in in the first like 30 40 seconds, you know, uh -huh. of the song. But, you know, we're just over a minute and a half, you know, just coming out of the coming out of the chorus. But this this to me has has some of those interesting dynamics and then got those mm -hmm. mogi little Oof. keys coming in and then like his his vocal dynamics too are you know hitting that, that falsetto mm -hmm. that that to me is like okay we're doing something outside of just the norm of like you know the whispery sort of yeah uh 
um it, yeah there's there's more to chew on in the song and um yeah i'm i'm into it I heard this more as like a vocal style in the early 2000s with emo bands like copeland beneath the medicine or beneath medicine tree he did this a lot mm. where he would just like flourish his voice all american rejects on the first all american rejects yep. record they do this thing where they'd go tears fall down yeah. on your face. <laughs> yeah. And this is what he does at like uh, at Zachary does at the end of this song where he's just like hitting notes that don't even make sense with the key of the song, but yeah, you're going to go yeah. for it. And we're not taking a second take of this because time is made, boys. Let's get through this. Totally. I love it. I love, I mean, it, like we said, it's charming. His, his, yeah, and- his strained vocals are fun. And there's a uh, there's a parallel for me seeing astronaut in this time period, 1997, astronaut being the brave Saint Saturn predecessor, where mm-hmm. Reese is up there on stage with his Moog, just basically just turning knobs for the first time. Yeah, major choruses that he was writing and stuff like that, and you could hear there's some, hey, where'd you get that idea from? Oh, I was listening to North to the Future the other day, and so there's a, yep, yep, oh man. <laughs> it's it's like it's like uh, honey to me as a bee that that mogi synth sound as soon as i hear the come in i'm like oh baby give it to me um (laughs) it's so great it's like between that and the like how am i supposed to know like it's such a fun chorus it's really catchy yeah. this is the one that i found myself singing around the house the most this week like the how are you supposed to know um but yeah the combination of that plus those keys coming in this one does have that satisfying distortion pedal stomp kind of dynamic change you're talking about andrew so yeah it all comes together in a really satisfying way here um curious jason if you have thoughts on what this is about it has a little bit of that like you know, he's like, you want some of this? Yeah, I'll bet you do. <laughs> Which is a little bit of the um, vibe we got with the first record of sort of being like... I've never cared what it was about. Sure, yeah. I've never I... even thought about it once interesting, interesting. in my life. I was just like, yeah, that's a vibe. It's certainly a vibe. If you look at the... Uh, if you look at the Tooth and Nail Records Sampler Volume 3, the first song on the record was Morella's Forest, Big Orange Bubble, which was a huge bummer to start off with. Uh, <laughs> it was clank downside. And you're okay. like, what's going on? And then Joe Christmas, I'll Bet You Do, comes in and you're like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. I, I just wanted like a Diet Pepsi and you finally gave it. <laughs> I just all the- wanted a Pepsi. What is all just this? Just one Pepsi. Um, yeah, I, I mean... Like I said, I think, I, I mean, a lot of these songs are sort of variations on the kind of song we were talking about with the first record, where it's sort of like relationshipy songs, but they're sort of like, you know, he's maybe like pining or he's like, if you don't treat me better, like I'm going to walk, that kind of thing. <laughs> but it's also like, is it about that or is it about like maybe even like a record label or something? I don't know. He's like, this guy isn't the cool thing about this band and especially this singer, the way he writes lyrics is he's not pretending in any way, shape or form to be like a guy in the know about women, right or a guy in the know about really anything in life. He's just like there for the hang. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He says, how are you supposed to know when you're talking numbers? If you would only let it go, maybe you could lose your numbers. So I'm like, hmm. there's different 
different variations under which there could be like some kind of like, why are you so focused on numbers? I don't know. I'd be curious to know if anybody has any grand theories. But writing this song from the perspective, or maybe just his life experience has led him to the point where he's probably never given his phone number out to a woman in his life. Yeah. I was like, is it phone numbers or is it like some sort of, I don't know, like stop thinking about numbers so much, man. Like I could just imagine a girl being like, Hey, can I get your number? And he'd be like, when you're talking numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That could be, I don't know. To... <laughs> How are you supposed to know what, what I, I give her my home phone? My parents live there. Yeah. There's just something um... like, I don't know if even this word has gotten canceled or if it means something that I don't know it means, but this is just dorky shit, man. <laughs> I think Dorky's still safe. Is it safe? Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, speaking of Dorky, dreaming for gold. My number three. This is my number two. Okay. Not in your top three, Jason. No, it's not. In fact, it's ironic because this was, in fact, the single. This is what they okay. sent out to radio. This is okay. the seven inch that says, from the upcoming North to the Future. Got it. Okay. And it's funny to me that I'd mentioned earlier uh, GBV, <laughs> Guided by Voices, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that band at all. Yeah. Their big single in that year, 96, 97, was Bulldog Skin and the chorus of Bulldog Skin and uh, Dreaming for the Gold sound very similar. And it was kind of this nerdy, high-pitched singing mixed with dweeby guys, mixed with a song about like, I think that earwormy part of this song is not the chorus or any other part. The The riff is kind of memorable, but I, yeah. I just of thinking about this song in terms of there was a lady who mm-hmm. had a car you're like okay that's a simple enough line that i've i'm always gonna <laughs> it until i die yeah Stupid yeah line, it... totally earwormy and hooky enough for me to go okay she's got a car this lady's got a car. <laughs> yeah, i'm in yeah <laughs> it it feels a little like 
one of those again like i'm warning you like i'll leave if you don't love me better kind of songs but like again this one feels like a little more like a short story and maybe the econo molds like so he says if you think that you're the only one hurting me or hurting here then maybe i'm not yours and you shouldn't be mine there's some songs here that feel like you know is it like a personal reflection or is it more of a sort of short story scene and i think by establishing like there was a lady with the car like it feels a little bit more like oh we're hearing a sort of tale now um but i don't know i i'm way into it i love that i mean that opening hook is hard to beat it's very catchy to me i like that chord progression a lot this is one for me where like the verses i'm like okay it doesn't have the same sort of drive as that opening hook but then where they go with the pre-chorus, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. There's like minor chords being introduced in the chorus then to, it just takes some interesting turns. Um, but one thing I would love to hear is like, so that guitar hook and the opening, and then again, after the, the chorus, it comes back after the second chorus, but this time as a keyboard version and ooh, baby, that Mogi synth version of it. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's at like 257, I want to say. Just such a sucker for that i love that melody i love that weezery feel there like we've talked about i don't know this is a great one for me there's also something about this um and jason you're um more of an expert in this area than i am but like i was getting some like polaris mark mm. mulcahy kind of like yeah. vibes going on here I have that that coming up here, in fact, for a pretty girl. Oh, cool. Polaris at length. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all this stuff is my vibe. All this stuff is my energy and my tone. And if, if, if I were to sit in my room by myself and put on a CD or whatever, this isn't for other people. This is the kind of thing that I just do for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I love to have that sense of like, that's my musical taste at the end of the day. This isn't for anybody else and nobody else will relate to this. And that's okay. I'm just yeah. showing up for me right where I'm at. So here for it. John's uh, also here for haunted things. It's true. Speak up, Zach. It's a haunted mystery. Ever since the beginning. Oh, yeah. What a bright, bright symbol. It's so bright, this yeah. whole album. The ride is just like tingy. It's like washed out on the first record. Here you can really hear it.
Good note. Good note. Yep. Yep. And then go dark again. Yeah. Andrew is asleep, and I'm like, <laughs> this shit rules. <laughs> you know, this is the Andrew's right. And so whenever <laughs> yeah. I had the CD player on repeat on my Sony Discman, it'd be on like a road trip, and I'd put on Joe Christmas because I knew the moment that Haunted Mystery came on, like that was a solid 20 minute nap, <laughs> setting myself up for. And then yeah. it, you'd wake up from the nap with the reprise at the end, and be mm. like. Oh, I feel I feel really good. I feel <laughs> I'm fresh. refreshed. It happened yeah. the last 20 minutes of my life. It doesn't even matter because the it's... moment he's just like eking through, like barely even there's no effort being put into anything. Like I just picture this is the kind of guy who doesn't need ab muscles to be a singer. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's not singing from the diaphragm. Yeah. And it's just coming from a, a place in his throat and he's just a, he's tired, man. <laughs> um yeah i i it's funny because it's like it's actually a relatively short song but it's so slow that it feels longer um definitely sort of i mean i'm i'm here for a good sparse vibe i feel like we had some of these conversations around starflyer andrew where it's like yeah i like the sparseness i like the slowness now if I'm in that world for too long, am I a little bit like, okay, like, yes, but I feel like it's sort of well paced out on this record. A little early Pedro here too. When did you guys start this season? Uh, April. Nine years April, ago. ago. I remember you and I talking <laughs> like a year ago, Andrew. Yeah. And I'm just like, bro, I'm just going to warn you. There are going to be some moments for you. Yeah, it's not going to go the way you think it's going to go. It's not going to be engaging content with your audience. And you're like, no, but it's it's going to be, it's cool. Indie rock's cool. There's really good lyrical content, really thoughtful stuff to chew on. And I'm like, in my mind, in that conversation. You're hearing haunted mystery in your head. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, no, because one day will come. I don't know when that day is. One day. Uh, we'll come to haunted mystery. Uh... We're going to have to just be like, I mean, both of you guys yawned during that song. <laughs> like, like, uh, like, you're tired now. It's and late. We're on song four. Through. Yeah. How are we going to get through the next? Like, we got to go fast. Yeah, and- we might We might need to start blowing through some of these. Um, but before we do that, um, I just want to call out nice, warm electric piano here. This is the first of the songs where the keys take that sort of electric piano feel. Love that um nice deep bass notes just a hanging out for a while and the second chorus adds in that additional like mm, unresolved note we were talking about that makes it just feel more melodically interesting yeah. um poetry wise i i dig the sort of again jason i'm not sure exactly what he's saying but i love the description of this haunted mystery keeps creeping all over me so many surprises, too many disguises. My time, it's a haunted mystery. I'm not really sure what the mystery is. Is it? Is it just life? Is it a relationship? But again, I really like that description. I think it's really it's cool. It's our shared Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think that's uh, what he's... That's it what could he's be. Creeping all over you. <laughs> maybe um, Or maybe haunted mystery is another strain of weed. Who knows? <laughs> I think that's what it is. He's, plus the Holy Spirit. Can it be both? He's, he's smoking a fat doob and he's feeling like the high creeping all over. Creeping up, yeah. Yeah. You got any of that haunted mystery? <laughs> oh, um, man. <laughs> that's a great name. Oh, man. Um, I just I just finished up the my bowl of a Scrabble Girl. I need some mystery. Yeah. A little slippery chicken followed by a nice haunted mystery strain. It's just what you need. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Next, next song. Yeah. Best wishes. Another slow jam. This is a Pedro song, if I've ever heard. Yeah, it. that really is a Pedro chord. That this something could be on Havasu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. into it um but I'm it is it. So, you know you know if your patience is wearing thin this is not going to change your mind won't help you <laughs> um, i do miss an era of music where guitar riffs or yes. a line and a guitar was the thing to remember mm-hmm. yeah Nothing about this band usually from gold zachary's lyrical or melodic compositional prowess is the thing to remember about joe christmas right maybe couple skate is the shining example uh to contrast that point however for most of this album it's like that's a memorable riff and right right guitar music like that anymore at all we don't have guitar music where you're just like everything's like stoner rock where everything's really heavy and saturated and riffy and boomy sounding but like gosh, if you really listen to the brightness and the cheerfulness of the way that these drums are recorded, plus Mm -hmm. the really clear tone on the guitar, you're like, they don't make records like this anymore. They just don't. And they need, they will again, because right now we're stuck in 1975, ripping off the eighties synth pop stuff. And that's cool, but that'll go away. And we'll get back to like gin blossoms and this type of music event eventually again in like 2030 where there'll be a really good guitar riff that leads the song across the water i think that's really well said i mean the first thing i have my notes for this is another catchy opening riff like i think what i love so much about a sort of 90s sound when i describe it is a specific electric guitar riff and you build a song around that and that's yeah well put jason that i I think that's kind of what i miss is like those were the songs that were on the radio i sound like an old man now but that era that we're talking about of yeah you got a a rickenbacker guitar yeah turn on the clean channel with a tiny bit of fuzz into it and then you just like blang right blang 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 (laughs) that's a song that's your song yeah yeah, I mean it's a it's another short one that doesn't really feel like it. Um, but you gotta you gotta take a bath in that nice warm uh, electric piano. Those <laughs> the sliding guitar parts, the ring, yep. ring throughout, so great. 
this is, I mean, you're totally right, Andrew, that the opening chords are very pagery. This is another one, though, that by the time we get to the verses with the stuff, it feels very much like a pavement song. Like I could hear Stephen Malcolmus singing this and it would just be like a perfect pavement song. The chorus doesn't really come in until about two minutes, which we didn't get to. And it is satisfying to hear the keys and fuller instrumentation and some background vocals come in at that point. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I like when we get to that point. It, it does add a little bit of dynamic there, but um we have something cute up here. Then. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think of which song. Which one it is. What is it off of Havasu? There's there I mean, teenage is... sequencer has the bring bring. Yeah, those chords at the beginning. Um the first guitar chords, yes, are very reminiscent. Right? Yeah, similar vibe. <laughs> similar deal. Um I agree. Yeah, the moral of the story here is that basically no bands would exist ever without Joe Christmas. <laughs> they're it. They're the beginning <laughs> yeah. and the end. The haunted <laughs> mystery yeah, that binds us all. Why even try? Yeah. Um, I do really like the lyrics here. They feel pretty resonant and poetic to me. Um, best wishes of the name is it's kind of ironic because it's sort of about a broken home life. You know, maybe failed relationship, maybe more broad than that. Um Am I trying too hard? Am I trying at all? I don't know. We had it all until you told me so. Why do you wonder so where I hang and where I go? Don't diss my clothes. The picture's crooked, but so is the home. Don't expect me to be your miracle. I'm bound to fall. That part is repeated at the end. Um, but I don't know. I'm like, is it so is it a metaphor about like the picture, but also the person where it's like, you know, it's bound to fall because it's crooked? I don't know. It it's interesting. Um, don't expect me to be your miracle, I'm bound to fall. Um, I don't know. Thoughts? Andrew, you haven't shared much about this one. <laughs> I do like this this song a little bit um, more than than Haunted Mystery, but sure. Um, yeah, I think I mean that's a that's a fairly good assessment of of the lyrics. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I'm I'm wondering, Jason, if you think like Joe Christmas, if like if people are coming to Joe Christmas for the lyrics if people are coming for or is this just I, I i am of the opinion that all of this type of music nobody's showing up for the lyrics at all mm. ever like they might be character studies sometimes but they're t they're speaking in abstracts to the point where it's like little vignettes that are like dancing with each other that very quickly separate even within the context of its own song they like these ideas intersect and then they kind of weave and then sometimes they'll go completely away from each other entirely. It's just like napkin thoughts. Yeah. They're like they're a prompt band, but now, <laughs> now they're, they're a prom band. band. Yeah. They they're there's some literary dudes, which we learned on the first record. So perhaps there's some literary illusions we're missing throughout. But uh yeah, I don't know. I find it, this one like a satisfying it, narrative. Means anything to me and I'm just like <laughs> I'm here for the ride. The only song that means anything on this record at all to me is Scrabble Girl. And it's just because huh. I identify so keenly with the sentiment of sure. being, uh, you know, enthusiastic about life to this bizarre level. Yeah. So. Fair enough. Just, uh, you know what they say, a pretty girl never lights her own cigarette over <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew it. 
gotta hold on. I love those lyrics so much. <laughs> Kissed him till he cried and broke his heart, and then he died. He died. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might be my favorite. My favorite lines on the record. <laughs> it's definitely. It feels like a little bit of a short story here. Yeah, maybe more successfully than some of the songs we talked about, where it's like they feel more like just little sketches. But the, and this was still pretty vague. But it's like there's a first person in the verses and then it switches to the second person. So it feels more like a narrator. So like, I like that. It's like, yeah, they're describing this guy and it's like, yeah, and then he died. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's pretty <laughs> funny. That like at this time was the moment I was discovering breakfast of champions by Kurt Vonnegut, my favorite mm. ever. And it's all just that it's just, this is just a band basically being Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah. So, you know, somewhat humanist, somewhat storytelling, somewhat sing-songy, somewhat obnoxious. And yep. like, they're just trying to sort of meander through a bunch of different types of personalities that I was sort of grafting onto as a middle schooler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like these are all the kind of types of people that I kind of like. Uh, like dorky people. I kind of like soft and sweet people i kind of like sentimental people i kind of like hard rocking but just for a minute kind of people you know like yeah that's that's well said as we said last week these are these are ap english dudes uh so they're i think they're reading some vonnegut they're saying "Mm, so it goes and and throwing down on that um but i don't know i like yeah the narrative structure of that you know he's talking about I went along for the ride, but I'm stepping out. Um, Is this literally how many plays these songs have ever had on Spotify? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Seems to be fairly low uh, on this record here. Um, People listen to this podcast, right? Yeah, let's get some more listens. I think the song rules. Um, uh, This one's just outside my top three. I really love it. I think um, it's another one that... Go ahead. Um, I think this is the one that's got some Polaris vibes to me. Some Adventures of Pete. So, yeah well it gets it gets to some interesting places later yeah she is staggering it reminds me a lot of she is staggering by polaris from adventures of pete and pete which is just amazing and a way better song than this band probably ever wrote but uh still it's it's just kind of like uh indicative of that college rocky vibe rem adjacent type of stuff that yeah miracle legion polaris and rem were all doing in the georgia east coast eastern seaboard and that stuff didn't really fit in with my west coast sensibility as a colorado person who listened to punk and ska from the bay area or 
So it, it again, separated itself uniquely within my musical Rolodex of stuff I was listening to. Yeah. This, uh, it's another one that like, I mean, <laughs> Andrew was snoring at the beginning of it because it starts to like, <laughs> do, ja, do, do, ja. it's just like, okay, here we go. It's another <laughs> slow jam, but it's one that as it builds, you know, you might feel like it's a little boring, but that it really ends up being an earworm for me. Like it's, it's a catchy melody if a slow one. And yeah. we do eventually get those dynamics uh, yes. that we talked about where, it, you know, it really shifts for the chorus, um, which is great melodically. We don't really get there. I think the chorus comes in at like 125 and then kind of builds at like 150. And then there's this huge ending. So there's, I don't know, we could fast forward a bit and hear some of the song. Yeah. Oof. I love the like, where the guitar goes. If you go to like 3.30, I think that's the big satisfying ending. Here it comes, baby. Build up. It's coming. Full release. Full release. Um, yeah, very satisfying to me. Again, a little long, but that's kind of part of its charm. I don't know. Uh, yeah, this is probably in my top five. I think Yeah. this and Scrabble Girl would be in the four and five spots. Okay. Yeah. No, this is this is way up there. I also, I really like the title. It is a very... It's a great title. Uh, you could you could you could see that being the title of some book or something. It's Pretty girl like in the lights from stuff. For yes, no, it doesn't fit in the visual <laughs> aesthetic of this record at all. It doesn't fit in the musical sonic aesthetic of this record, but it's fucking cool. It I is. googled it because I'm like, surely this is something that like Mae West some said in the 1930s. Yeah, something, but no, apparently not. Sorry. Hey, a dame never lights her own cigarette. No. I don't know if you heard, Joe, but a pretty girl never lights her own cigarette. <laughs> You're going to leave me standing here all day without a lit cigarette? What's uh, uh, the gal's name from Double Indemnity? I can't think of it right now. It's escaped me. But... Uh, Jane Hanukkah? No. Is that no. Joe Christmas? That's my Joe Christmas joke. Um, <laughs> the answer, Barbara Stenwick, of course. Barbara Stenwick, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. I think would say that line. She's Jane, a classy dame. Jane Hanukkah. <laughs> that was a good joke, right? Come on. This is a great <laughs> joke. Guys, cut and print. Podcast over. We just ended up. We're not going to beat that. Uh, <laughs> downhill from here. So what's even the point? We're uh, we're more than halfway through, guys. Let's, let's keep we're going. We're at the Jane Hanukkah podcast. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> T Green and Fady Mist. Two strains for sure. <laughs> <laughs> You got any of that tea green? I don't know, bro. I got some sh- fady mist though. I'm I'm feeling pretty fady. Pretty fady right now. This song's pretty fady.
That's fairly unremarkable song to me. Definitely have the exact same thing in my notes on this song. Like totally forgettable. Uh, yeah. I have a slightly nicer version of that, which is <laughs> the verses don't grab my attention in a huge way. Um, but I do like how the melody unfolds throughout the song. I feel like the chord progression that comes in after the first verse makes me appreciate the entirety of it. Entirety of it a little more. It does feel a little more interesting. It takes its time. This one never goes full ham. There's no uh, there's no release on this one. If couple um, speed is like the ultimate teen romantic notion of like seeing a pretty girl across the room and getting your like courage up and walking over to her and grabbing her hand saying, would you like to skate with me right now? This is like the most awkward sixth grade dance saunter ever (laughs) where neither of you really want to be dancing with each other. You're Uh like, why am I dancing with this girl? Of all the girls I got asked to dance, yet. Yeah. And (laughs) and and then you like sauntery kind of like, and then you like look down and you have a boner and then everybody in your class is pointing and staring and laughing at you um i don't know what you're talking about um and then i did and then they call you khaki boner for the rest of your high school career what do they call you i don't know if they called you that but no somebody got called khaki boner this one was called khaki boner khaki boner yeah, yeah. That was what the song was almost called. That was uh that's Jane Hanukkah's first EP. <laughs> working um, time. Yes. Yeah. Um this is uh so debut album Khaki Boner. <laughs> um that that reminds me of the great band, the Broke Dans, their album from this year is called Maximum Khaki, which rules. Um <laughs> so interesting one here lyrically. I think again, definitely a relationship song, maybe some like bitterness here, uh, in keeping with some of their other songs along those lines, like at first, he describes her as sweet and innocent. By the end, he says, you look so cool and casual, so I try and look the same, but now I've got to love you. Tell me, who am I to blame? Um, but the chorus is, I will not forget these days. I will not forget this time, which is sort of what I was alluding to before, Jason, with that other song, where it's sort of about like being in the moment, acknowledging, like, hey, I'm I'm in this moment, and it feels good. So that seems positive. So I don't know fully uh, what what exactly is being said here no it's it's just like i said it's like a seven it's a sevens meandering napkin thoughts yeah yeah (laughs) driving to chicago to record this record he's just like oh this is a cool line i just thought of right this second yeah i won't forget Um, i won't forget okay yeah i could work in a song i don't know yeah yeah I, I I'm curious now to go to listen to this podcast that I plugged earlier because maybe they'll blow our minds with all the very specific uh, lyrical references they're making. But <laughs> I I'm here for the for the napkin theory. I think that that's totally fair. Um, another literary illusion here: baby shoes. Yeah. Um, for sale, this, never worn. I was gonna say, is this a reference to the world's shortest, saddest poem? I think it's gotta be.
this rules. Right? Sure. Okay, yeah. I'd say it reminds <laughs> me of like this band and this style of music in the 90s. When this Trippin' Daisy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember I got a girl? Yeah. I got a girl. She wears cool clothes. Yeah, hell yeah. I, uh yes. that kind of music of just like it's the same tone, it's probably the same key. It's kind of the same idea of like it all starts somewhere in this everyone was listening to violet femmes when they first yeah right right kind of vibe you know and there were a lot of bands that were kind of popping up at the local record store being given to me uh as a cd as a dime out that i just like was constantly digesting of all this stuff so this all kind of made sense i think the guitar is too bright in in front of everything here sure a little too obnoxious because he's not hitting a chord he's hitting like a single note over and over again well yes this is the one that comes from the ep um and you can tell and i think it's exactly what you're talking about it feels like it sticks out here this one is you know faster and more driving in that one chord kind of yeah vibe i really like it um i think it I'm glad that they have it here. I'm glad that they re-recorded it because um, I'm sure it sounds, you know, better than the EP version. But um, yeah, it's certainly the only one that I would describe as being even like Nirvana adjacent in the way that sure. a lot of their earlier stuff is more obviously, you know, if it was recorded shittier and his vocals were more strained, I think it would sound even more like that kind of Nirvana vibe that some of the early stuff did. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That's a good call though. Chipping Daisy Jason. And like, Last week we mentioned early flaming lips. I mean, this is very like she don't use jelly. Like <laughs> another song built around a hook. The Make like it breakfast. Yeah. That's and like you know, it's fine. It's the kind of thing that reminds me of like every battle of the bands you ever went to in high school <laughs> the winning band was. Yeah. They yeah. wrote this song. You well, know? it's a good song. I like the energy. It feels like it picks up the pace a little. Um, and again, it does some surprising things musically. Like it's been so propulsive and punky and then it kind of slows down for what I think is the chorus when he's like, buckle me up, let's go for a ride. Yeah. And then there's a totally new different sound for what I guess is the bridge uh, at three minutes um, before it ends with the, the verse chords again. So yeah, here we go. background vocals come in I love it that's good yeah that's a good that's a good catchy thing that yeah right there that's it feels, feels kind of REM Pete and Pete totally I can see <laughs> Petunia dancing to this one um, I can see like Ellen and older pete walking hand in hand through the football field oh yeah <laughs> the beautiful creatures like acting like a dipshit and there's a sunset happening and it's it's, it's beautiful it's beautiful um uh, it feels kind of triumphant there by that ending and yeah. the lyrics also feel kind of triumphant here it's another sort of a you're treating me badly song but yeah he ends it with um give to me what you've been hiding or just hurt me you can let me fall and I'll get up for sure. It's the like, I'll get up for sure ending that feels like a little bit of like a, a triumphant spin Hopeful. on the like. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's that 90s classic trope of like, 
I'm going to sing about the most bummer thing you've ever heard and my, how broken my heart is, but I'm going to do it just jangle poppy all like. I'm going to be That's popping right. our head while I'm telling you. Um, okay, so we've gotten, Andrew, both of you have gotten only two out of your three, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, okay, here we go. Keep going. East Coast Angle. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's another kind of early Pedro riff right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be the my fish. fish. is like proto brand new this is like mm. soko amaretto live yeah. like for like the indie scene yeah um it's another one that maybe doesn't do a ton for me but is a nice vibe um i think it's pretty there's yeah, a nice warm electric piano that comes in again it's a it's a good it's a good uh melody and i think it's probably because it reminds me of and when I pass the bottle back, to sure. Yeah, that's a overpass. That's, again, another situation where the other band did it way better. Yes, <laughs> sure. Yeah, way more yeah. memorably. Yes. Um. Yeah, that's a that's a classic sing along as opposed to this one being a little more vibes. Um. Yeah. But this one, I really like the sort of repeated distortion sound it closes with, which like, yeah. for me, from that point on into the last two, all kind of bleed together into yeah. this like closing instrumental, like let's have these repeated like droney distorted sounds. Yeah, that rules, I love this. There's like a part right at the end of that song, yeah. just like it's going. Yep, <laughs> there we go. Yep, and then we're just kind of in repeated droney distortion sound for the remaining yeah. parts of the album here. It's crazy. <laughs> That's um, very excited about those next two, and I'm excited that uh, apparently one of the, uh, one of the two of them or. Two, both of them perhaps are in your guys' top three, which I really like. But I'm going to say quickly, this East Coast angle, somewhat cryptic lyrically, he says, you've got to give up the halves and make room for the holes. I can't afford to be mad at you because you're half of me, which is like kind of a romantic sentiment. And I'm like, okay, is it, it could be like about 
assertive, you know, ending a relationship to take care of yourself, but it also could be like about a band. Like, mm-hmm. is it like a band or artist relationship, you know, cause he's talking about cranking up the amps in it too. I don't know. It feels like somebody's sort of taking stock of like, Hey, listen, we meant a lot to each other at a certain point, but I kind of have to prioritize myself, but like, you'll always be part of who I am kind of thing. I don't know. I, I like, I like whatever he's saying. <laughs> More well, napkins. I mean- I mean, it makes it makes sense if you're if you're using that, if that being your interpretation into I ruined it. Yes. Oh yeah, baby. More droney distortion. This is my number three. And it's Jason's. Nope. Okay. Your number one is uh, still remaining. Um, all right. Um, yeah. This song rules. Instrumental. Uh, we got Sydney Rents of Morales Forest. Hell yeah. Throwing down some ethereal vocals. We love to hear it. What's her deal? <laughs> her deal is that nobody she's knows. Yeah. Nobody knows. Her name's not even Sydney Rents. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, get her on the pod. Somebody told um, me recently that even the band has like tried to go drop off like peace yeah. offerings on her doorstep. They don't know where she is. Nobody and like the, the last known address, they've dropped off stuff to her and and she refuses to even Wow. Fascinating. Reply. That's great. I think it's kind of awesome. <laughs> it's like yeah. you love it an artist to be like truly like I want her to be like mummified in the basement a la <laughs> been there just Nobody's seen her or heard from her. Mm. Sydney Rance has been dead for 30 years. <laughs> um, I'm really into the vibe. I like that it made your top three, Andrew. I like the yeah. sound. You know, it takes a while. Um, but again, I really like that melody where it goes for the chorus. This definitely has that quiet, loud, quiet dynamic yeah. here. Uh, feels I like identify a with the lyrics. It's just I ruined it over and over. <laughs> oh, man. You and I have different things we identify with. <laughs> Just characteristically different things. What do you well, expect? You're a seven. Yeah, I was going to say, a... when a seven and a four come together over this album, this is Usually, where... you just make out, you don't speak. So that's, that's the difference. I ruined that is, it. I ruined that, it. That is true. 
Um, yeah, as far as I can yeah. tell, I mean, I call it an instrumental, but I ruined it are the only words, right? I mean, I think that's what they're saying over and over. <laughs> it is. It is. Except she's singing like, I ruined it. And so, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the only in dreams moment. Yes. Me. Yes. Man, great song. Um, yeah, I, I, I really long ending on this one too. <laughs> kind of like, Goodness. You could have lopped some off of it, but again, you're just kind of along for the vibey ride. So I don't mind hanging no, out with wherever they go. Vibe. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a whole vibe. Describe the whole album. It's just a whole vibe. It's a whole vibe. Um, it's like a pure distillation of the vibe on this one, where that ending just goes on and you're just like, keep it going. Um, good stuff. But yeah, this album and Radiohead, the Benz were my two like. Oof. Put that CD on, and I'm yeah, gonna man. fall asleep in the midsection. But I'm gonna end on a really high note and get really yeah, yeah. to hear the closer. The closer. Oh man, I love the band so much. Um, well, let's let's reprise this thing. Let's close it out. Go back to Scrabble Girl Part Two. Ooh, more droney, cool opening. seriously totally missed that this was just Scrabble Girl again. <laughs> now I feel dumb. But it's doing it with a move. So yeah, oh well, yeah, so it's automatically better. Hell yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm 13 years old. I'm in Seattle for the first time. My dad is getting his bone marrow transplant. Mm-hmm. We're trying to kill time in between going to the hospital, going down to Pike's Market, getting on the ferry, going to take a ferry across to Bremerton. Because I just imagined in my mind, one day I'm going to be in Bremerton and I'm going to see Mike Herrera. And he's just going to come up to me and give me a damn high five. And that's how my <laughs> life go. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to manifest that shit. And the whole way across fucking the Puget Sound on that ferry, just on repeat reprise from Joe Christmas. Look at the city, look at Mount Rainier, look at the sky, look at the Harbor seals sitting on top of the little buoys in the Puget sound. And that song's on repeat over and over again. Like, Hey man, we're going to be all right. I had this song on a travel log. I did uh, Mm. a decade ago in front of a giant glacier in Alaska just sitting there looking up at that glacier and it's like the soundtrack to my life, man. You can take this song and uh, put it anywhere into any situation in my life. My wedding day, uh, my child being born, it pretty much mm. works unilaterally. Mm. <laughs> like there's no, there's no situation in your life where you're not going to be like stoked to hear at least this softly echoing somewhere in the background mm-hmm. of your life, even yeah. sad days or bad days. It's like it's gonna be all right yeah man that's really beautifully said i really love yeah. thanks man that's sharing that yeah and i can picture that i mean it's like a perfect sort of underlaying song like i could i pictured all the things that you were describing and hearing the song under them and i was like yeah that, that works great it's uh yeah. it's a, and going I've from me saying i ruined it to jason <laughs> being like here's this song that like defines my life yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. 
yeah, it's probably top five at least of favorite songs ever. Wow, my, damn, my whole yeah. life. All right, man. Well, you put, that, you put that to like in the record, and I'm like, I'm flipping that record over again. I'm gonna start Scrabble Girl. Yeah, old. Let's yeah, go. yeah, yeah. Let's dovetail beautifully into each other. Yeah, and, uh, you can listen to the whole album on a road trip, and you know, like every 20 minutes, you're gonna take a really nice 20 minute nap because <laughs> the yeah. section of this record is, it's uh. <clears throat> how can something be like bloated and boring at the same time? (laughs) It's interesting. It's sparseness. It doesn't grab me necessarily, but it's also just like, there is a, um, there is a Vonnegut book where he starts off the whole entire book describing his writing process as basically napkin thoughts Mm -hmm. and piece meals together things. Yeah. That's there's nothing surprising about that at all. And that's what this sort of like album comes to symbolize for me with a very like look at that album cover. It's just like it just kind of hits all those uh sentimental nerves that you can have. It's just kind of like, yeah, man, north to the future. I'm an optimist. Let's keep going. Let's mm. find some new adventures to seek out. Let's have some new uh whatever. North to the yeah. future. So and the I love it about that, but it's also not about that. So it can be really about whatever the hell it wants to be. Cause it's just sc- scrabbled thoughts together. Scrambled. Yeah. Scrabble, scrabble girl thoughts. Scrabble girl. Um, yeah. It's a perfect ending to the album. I think your summation of it just now is a perfect ending to our discussion of it. So we are so grateful, man, to have you coming on and, and talking all this bullshit with us for so many years now. It's always such a great time and you offer such personal, um, but also like like I said, the 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 historical cultural context as well as the personal reflections that show that they mean a lot to you. So we appreciate you, buddy. I wouldn't um, do any of this restoration or vinyl nonsense if it didn't have like a yeah. good on all these cylinders for me and it yeah. didn't mean something still today. It was like, it's not just that all this stuff happened a long time ago to me. It's like, I'm going to go do something rad. I'm going to go run up the stairs at Red Rocks tomorrow and I could listen to reprise while I'm doing it. And it's going to be awesome. <laughs> you know? Totally. Um, there's something rad in the new, what does he say? Yeah. Um, well, there's also something rad at Unoriginal Vinyl. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug as far as uh, stuff you have brewing over there these days or coming up? Oh my goodness gracious. There's a lot of projects that I'm working on right now, but one that I'm particularly interested in, I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm going to try to will it to happen is, do you guys know the Ann Arbor, Michigan band Volpex? Volpex? Oh, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Wolfpack? Maybe oh they're... yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, they put out a record at the advent of streaming services uh, called, um, I don't even know what it's called anymore right now. I'm tired, but the album was complete silence. Sleepify. Okay. It was like seven songs and each one was 30 seconds long and there was no audio at all. And they basically told their fans like, we'll play a free tour if we can fund it. Tickets will be free, but we need $20,000. So the way that we'll make this happen, this tour happen is if you guys stream this record round the clock. And you just hit play and go and it's silence. So it was huh. a way to like cheat the system right when streaming was invented. Fascinating. And uh and they ended up making 20 grand to to fund the tour and go all around. And they've like they're an independent band, but they sold out Madison Square Garden and 
Wow. They have open source uh, licensing of their brand and band package. So anybody like uh, King Gizzard and the, if you know that band, those guys have yes. open source merchandising and licensing. So they'll let anybody print or press records of their music. They just don't care. And uh, Volkpack is the same thing. So this album is called Sleepify. And uh, and I'm really interested in essentially pressing a blank record and having a, like the hype sticker say like remastered, fully remastered for vinyl anniversary edition with the <laughs> B-side lyrics etched onto the back, which is nothing. So like, yeah, just the worst of the worst. Like if I can possibly please as unoriginal vinyl be in some way responsible for like, I've gotten probably 50 texts in the last week from different people sharing the same dumb article about vinyl sales finally eclipsing cd sales in right. the world for the first time since 1987 or whatever like i'd like to personally take ownership and stock and responsibility over uh, reversing that trend and ruining the vinyl enthusiasts uh-huh. for life like i want to bring about the vinyl apocalypse with simplify <laughs> pressing of 500 units where there's no audio but your needle will go on to a groove it will circle the racetrack of the vinyl, but there'll be nothing on it at all. I love it, man. There's I'm here for it. Nothing who's kind of done that, but they actually like recorded a room, but they just didn't play any instruments. They just recorded an ambient room. I want less music <laughs> than that. Yes. N- none None more quiet. None but you're basically sound. buying an LP jacket with a funny hype sticker, uh, an actual groove etched vinyl, and then I want to have somebody write like a really academic essay. Like, uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> it needs Harvard, to be it needs Harvard. to be on like two hundred gram vinyl too. Just yeah, like yeah. just something so over the top. Yeah, yeah, just really obnoxious, like really obnoxious, and have somebody basically say that this is the most important album of all time um, <laughs> in the history of recorded music. There's never been recorded music uh, more significant than this. Jason, and even better yet, if if that happens, you come on and we'll do a track by track. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> like, Yo. Spend three hours being like, like digesting. Yeah, once you settle into the groove. The, the problem is you're going to just be like, um, Jason, this is more interesting than Joe Christmas. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, literally the track listing is this. You can't, I don't know if you can see it, but it's just like Z, 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 Z. Everyone is like two Zs, three Zs, four Zs. Amazing. So good. Well, Wolfpack, make this happen. Uh, help help Jason realize his, his vinyl dreams. Um, but thank you, buddy. You've helped us uh, realize our, our podcast dreams low these uh, five years. So appreciate you. Five years, buddy. 2018, bro. Doesn't make any sense. All right. That's fine. Um, <laughs> when we cut recording, then I'll show you guys the real good stuff that I'm really doing. Sorry. All right. Cool. Well, uh, then let's let's wrap it up. Uh, right. Jason Zyma, thank you. See you later. Yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs>Thank you again to Shadow Producer Jason. Great conversation. Let us know what you think of this record, of any insights gained from Jason's thoughts, his thoughtful thoughts on the record, at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
follow and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or a review. We will read your Apple review podcast, uh, Apple podcast review on the show. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm rusty, man. You can email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 872-7MAGPOD. You can support us at the Patreon at patreon.com slash magnifiedpod, and you can pick up some season four merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. Well, thanks to Small Step Records for sponsoring us. Go to smallstepperkins.com to learn more. And thanks again to Shadow Producer Jason and to Bruno at Unoriginal Vinyl for our artwork. Well, I think I hear the voice of the spirit begging us to shut the fuck up. We'll be back to make you go stray soon at some point. Not exactly sure when we'll discuss something great. Uh, Whatever it is, keep an eye out for it. (laughs) See you soon. I ruined it. I ruined that uh, (laughs) outro. That outro couldn't have been more ruined. Mm. Mm. We bathe in that fuzz. Yeah. Come on, Sydney. good man uh it's pretty great yeah i'm I'm kind of surprised it didn't make your top yeah i there were a lot of contenders surprisingly um yeah it's a good one yeah so so dirty and synthy and fuzzy Mm. i feel like Mm. that's those are all words that you love love them (laughs) oh man uh, i hope people call me those things (laughs) and for those of you sticking around till the end um you know, we we realized that we were like, hey, why don't you send us some voicemails and some emails and then <laughs> we won't read them for months <laughs> and then we won't talk about them or listen to them or anything. Yeah, we will get back into. Yes. You know, a bit, a bit of a rhythm. We've been out of it for a while and we're, you know, lots of lots of stuff going on yeah. and we'll we'll get back into some sort of a rhythm here soon. Yeah. We have not forgotten um but we appreciate uh, your your patience with us yeah we we have received them we are grateful for them we will acknowledge them at some point even if you know christmas uh was like four (laughs) months ago and many of the emails and voices were about christmas but hey you know joe christmas it's christmas time there we go um yeah i just uh i just turned 40 uh i'm just about to go on a vacation and then i go on a three-month sabbatical so it feels like a real month of uh of transition and you know some nice time off ahead so we'll we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll figure some things out in that time <laughs> yeah john is gonna be token on some fady mist and some Ooh. slick some slick chicken uh Just... yes having listened to a little bit of the podcast we reference uh <laughs> for sure none of those are mistakes <laughs> tea green fady mist seems to be straight up references to smoking for, weed so for sure for well sure. done boys gonna get some of that uh get some of that haunted mystery um get a little uh i don't know i can't remember the other ones now but anyway yeah good times spoken weave with show christmas thanks everybody okay see you soon bye Bye. for more shows like this one visit rockcandyrecordings.com